All right, welcome to the State of the Lakers postgame show on Dash Radio. Thank you guys so much for coming to hang out with us on a Sunday evening. Uh, and once again, the Lakers have given us way too much to talk about. I, you know, it's so funny. Someone tweeted at me underneath something I tweeted earlier and said, uh, remember, apparently at the end of the last podcast, I said something along the lines of like, hey, come back on Sunday because it'll probably be uneventful and we'll have you know more time to take callers, blah, 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 blah. And mm-hmm. he was rubbing it in my face because this ended up being arguably much more eventful than, <laughs> than, than the uh, the Friday night game. But anyway, Raj, how you doing, man? How was your Sunday? Did you uh, – um, uh, I think you and I had a different idea of how the end of that game was going to go. But uh, sure. nice little nice little – positive ending but i hope you had a good sunday man yeah i did these three o'clock games well at least three o'clock for me being in southern california it means you can't really do anything for your other part of the day right it's like right in the middle of the day so you can't plan anything before it plan anything after it three hours just chunk right in the middle this is a good good game man it it was really sorrow and we were texting back and forth what to discuss we're like frank vogel uh lebron james uh just the nature of the team looking dejected looking uninterested for a majority part of this game and then that fourth quarter absolutely just turned around Uh, i think it was like 37 to 15 or something like that they they closed the quarter on where do you want to start with this because i i think we can start positive at least to start here there's still a lot of problems with the team there's a lot of issues lebron i guess might be ejected here for one game but where where do you want to kind of start with this so, yeah. So like if I were to like make bullet points of the key stories of the game, it was funny because uh, about 30 minutes before tip off, we found out that DeAndre Jordan was being reinserted into the starting lineup oh, and man. that THT was being moved to the bench. And there were two interesting things about that one reverting to them going big. And then also THT who, you know, obviously had a bad game last game, but he certainly had a better case to be with the starters than Avery Bradley did. And so that was kind of like the interesting little wrinkle there. Now that seems like so far on the back burner tonight compared to the LeBron basically mailing in the game and then the LeBron ejection situation, which was its whole other interesting thing. And for the record, those two things I want to hit later on, because quite frankly, it just it's just doesn't deserve to be talked about first uh, for a bunch of reasons. But then you have this, you know, clear and obvious stretch of the game that lasts the bat, like basically three quarters where Mm -hmm. the, where the Lakers just are giving absolute trash effort operating in this funky zone and, and, and just getting absolutely uh, beaten. Every, they got punked in every physical matchup, every 50, 50 ball, every, everything. But then you have them wake up in the fourth quarter, largely driven by Russell Westbrook and then Anthony Davis at the end of the game which I think is the perfect place to start because what you saw there was Russ and AD giving a shit, which is an yep. expression, which is an expression I use a lot on the show because of the obvious, like you can't judge scheme. You can't judge personnel. You can't judge lineups if guys aren't trying. And, yep. and you couldn't tell me like, Oh, this zone isn't going to work when I, when the guys are not even trying in the zone. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to get a read on any of that stuff when the guys are mailing it in like that. And what you saw was two supreme talents, Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, go from coasting through a game to trying desperately to win. And all of a sudden, the Detroit Pistons couldn't do anything to stop them. 
They couldn't stop him at the rim. They couldn't stop Anthony Davis on the offensive glass. They could, they literally, they couldn't get to the rim and, and finish on Anthony Davis. It was, uh, it was masterful to see the two of them hit the gas. And so I guess that's where we could start is like, it, it, and I don't know if it's associated with Frank. I don't know if it's the stars faults themselves, but this team just looks better when it's best players play hard. And when they try to, when they try to win the game Uh and that's just with two of them, with one of them in the locker room. So, I mean, that, that's kind of, that, that to me is the most interesting phenomenon that happened here tonight. Yeah. Again, we don't have to go deep into the ejection or whatever happened uh, with LeBron and Isaiah Stewart, but I definitely think that was a turning point in the game. Like, I totally saw Russ, even if earlier, early in the game, it wasn't efficient if he wasn't scoring it. I definitely saw his energy tick up, AD's energy tick up. And not to like move this into Frank Vogel, but like, again, a whole bunch of Laker fans and everyone is calling for his job throughout the whole night tonight, honestly. And I know you felt you felt that way as well. To me, like firing Frank Vogel is very similar to like the take DeAndre Jordan out of the starting lineup. Like it solves some issues, but it opens up these these other problems on the team as well, where I, I'm just don't want to go there yet. And look, his j- job is probably saved tonight. We'll see going forward. But AD and Russ turned into superstars in the fourth quarter, uh, who, who they are. AD looked like the best defensive player in the world. And again, this is Detroit, one of the worst teams in the league. And all those caveats are fair, but we haven't been a good team either. Like you've been saying, right? We've been a bad team for a very long time. Like all wins are important right now. And I thought they really turned it up. Russ's aggression to get to the rim he got a charge on one. He got a charge on one play, uh, but I thought I was fine with that. Like just him being aggressive, him attacking. I like Tht in that lineup, even if he had some questionable decisions. I just thought another guy that can kick out to the AD post ups were still there, but it was a lot better. They continued to double one pass away off Russ, but he cut. We saw Russ cutting. Like that was. They're starting to figure a, out the cutting stuff. Yeah, yeah, such a concept. But like we were, that's what we were begging for, right? We're like Russ, just cut to the rim, and he did this time. He got like four layups off of that, and once they stopped doubling, AD was in single coverage with Jeremy Grant, able to get to his spot, get to the basket a little bit, get fouled. It was just something that we need to see more, man. This type of effort you talked about before. We got punked early, earlier in the game by Hamidou Diallo as well. And I think Russell Westbrook felt that as well. He's the one that he got dunked on, and you saw him scream all loud. And I don't think it was an accident that that was on Diallo. AD with the big scream after blocking shots and after we sealed the game. Like, they they could tell this game mattered, man, and just need to see more of this. There's a good team in here somewhere. They just need to find it to me. I think it wasn't a coincidence either that we started to go on a run with, like, we took out a lot of the bad defenders. I thought Monk (laughs) didn't. You know what I mean? Monk stopped playing. Ellington stopped playing. The only guy out there was Carmelo, who was on fire. Uh, again tonight and his spot up shooting was huge just a good fourth quarter win and we talked about after my after the miami game where that could have been a spark plug but tonight they just looked so dejected early and i thought this maybe this is the turning point i'm not there to say that yet but this is an important win i thought it was really big that they got together and came together to get this one because even though i wasn't for the firing of like frank vogel i honestly thought if they lost this game to me, if LeBron didn't get ejected tonight, they would have lost by 20. Like, I don't know. Do you agree with that? Like that's, that's how I saw this game kind of going. Uh, if LeBron didn't get out, if they didn't have any kind of spark to them, the game was going towards where Jeremy Grant was just getting whatever he wanted. And we were going to lose by 20, but that fourth quarter, man, we started switching. Uh, Jeremy Grant wasn't able to get to his spots easier. I thought again, THT was big on both ends. I thought he bothered Grant enough. Uh, and he's going to be a big part of this team, but yeah, man, that, that was a good fourth quarter. That was a good fourth quarter to, to kind of build off of if they, if they can. 
So the reason why I don't think they would have, I don't think LeBron was related to the outcome was things got a lot worse after the ejection. Yeah. They, they, they got worse. And then basically what happened was in the start of the fourth quarter, Mello made a couple of threes off of driving kicks, uh, mm-hmm. rim pressure that Russ created. And then it cascaded into, Hey, why don't we try to win this game? You know what I mean? Sure. And so like that, that, that's more my interpretation. That's not, that's not to say like LeBron, you know, uh, I, LeBron deserved a lot of blame as did everyone else on the roster for finding themselves in the predicament that they were in. However, I, I tend to think that that was more an example of, holy cow, are we really going to lose to the Pistons tonight? Not a, okay, LeBron and Isaiah Stewart almost got in a fist fight, so now let's start trying. I, I didn't think those two events were tied to each other at all. You know, um, and again, j- just to put a bow on the positive parts of it, that's kind of the, ch- the order of operations. Russ put his head down and got to the rim to start the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. When he did, when he did uh, uh, Mello made a couple of threes. And uh, then at that point, Anthony Davis engaged defensively, and then they rode that talent wave and that competitiveness wave to beat an inferior basketball team that severely lacked offensive creation at the end of the game and was leaning on Jeremy Grant and, and Kate Cunningham to create everything. So I think in a weird way, as much as I'm happy about the win and as much as it is an indicator of their competitive spirit, I'm not sitting here and saying like, okay, everything's good now. We came back and beat the Pistons in the fourth quarter. No, those problems still exist. So moving to the Frank piece, because like I I texted Raj at the beginning, uh, in the middle of the game and I said, Frank has to go. And (laughs) and uh, I joked with him that if they won, it would be bad because uh, uh, because it would just delay that inevitable outcome. And I told him I was joking, but there's some truth to that concept because the reality of the situation is, is Frank going back to DeAndre Jordan represents everything that's wrong with this situation. Uh, Frank has justified that by saying we need defense and we need rebounding. But mm-hmm. as we know, throughout this whole season with DeAndre on the floor, they've been killed on defense and they've been killed on the glass. So that was never uh, a solution based in reality. That was, a fa- that was a fantasy that existed in Frank's head. And then in addition to that, the, uh, the, the heavily leaning on a zone, which you and I talked about a lot in the last pod, you can use a zone to throw a team off out of rhythm by just mixing up looks. The Dallas Mavericks did a fantastic job of this in the 2011 finals, as we all know. But you can't just run a zone nonstop, especially against good teams, because they'll just figure it out. And there were stretches, especially in the, um, in the third quarter tonight, where Cade Cunningham just completely solved our zone, kicking out the shooters and, and making us pay. The point being, like, there were just some strategies from Frank tonight that, that were, were glaringly, you know, they, 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 they just struck me as a person who was like, things are getting bad, I'm going to revert to everything that makes me feel comfortable as opposed to trying to adapt and solve this situation. You know what I mean? And then, and then when you couple in the effort and focus stuff, which we talked a lot about, like you can't blame everything on effort, but dude, like effort's a real problem here. Like it's actually a real problem here. This is not like a, okay, if they run the right sets and we put another big forward out there, everything is going to be fixed. No guys aren't doing their jobs either. That's a real problem. Anthony Davis early in the game was getting destroyed on box outs by Isaiah Stewart. 
LeBron James was getting caught ball watching, getting back cut all the time, making no attempt to help around the basket. Mello in particular, after having a pretty good stretch of defense there a few games ago, has really tailed off in recent games as a defensive player. The guys aren't bought in. And so this is where I come back to the Frank problem. I don't like the idea of firing Frank either. Everything you say makes perfect sense. Firing a coach in the middle of the season is asking for chaos. You know, having, uh, having uh, 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 bo- tricking yourself into thinking that David Fisdale or some other random guy is going to fix all your problems. You're right. That's, that, that, that's, that's, that's completely irrational thinking. However, if anybody gets into the chair and the guys buy back in, meaning they actually commit to doing the job that is asked of them by the coaching staff, it's better than what we have with Frank. That's just the reality of the situation. It doesn't matter. I have, I, you and I, again, for everybody who's just joining us in the last few weeks, Raj and I have been doing this. This is our 101st episode. We've been doing this for a long time. We are the biggest Frank supporters you'll find out there. I think he's by far the best coach for this team if they actually were bought in to what they want him to do or what he wants them to do. But the buy-in is gone. And I'm not sure why. That's a whole other topic. But the buy-in is gone. These guys don't listen to Frank anymore for whatever reason. And so as a result, it's untenable. That's just my opinion. It doesn't matter if David Fisdale is a lesser coach. If he gets in there and then when he says, hey, guys, I need you to freaking box out and they actually do it, then he's better than Frank for this job simply because of the buy-in. And it's unfair, but that's just the reality of the situation. You know, there's everyone points to the 2016 situation with David Blatt and Ty Lue. Is Ty Lue a better coach than David Blatt? Probably, yeah. As a matter of fact, yes, he absolutely is. But a good, a good percentage of that turnaround that season was associated with changing the voice. When David talked, they looked at him as an arrogant dude from the EuroLeague who thought, he was, who thought he was a lot better than he actually was, who thought he was more accomplished than he actually was, and all the NBA pros in that locker room didn't listen to him. But when Ty Lue got in the chair, they all bought back in. And they all started caring again, and it turned around their season. And that, that's kind of the way that I look at this. The chaos to me is part of the process to leading towards making that change to get the group to buy back in. And I know that scares the heck out of people, but that's just kind of where my brain is at right now. Yeah. And I had a whole bunch of notes ready for like the Frank Vogel is probably fired and this is why it probably shouldn't happen. And we can kind of save those going forward. And I touched on it earlier. Like to me, it's the same issue that we're just trying to like plug, plug one button in and solve everything. And again, like Frank Vogel hasn't been great. Some of the rotations, but like what we were playing was not his team. You know what I mean? Like tonight, the two big stuff, like DeAndre Jordan is not the best guy for it. He's fitting an archetype that Frank Vogel wants to play. But Frank Vogel was never a coach that wanted to play guards, that can't defend at the point of attack, that can't do any kind of, that can't help on the boards. You know what I mean? And again, like putting effort into a scheme, it, it's really tough to judge that. But when your stars aren't bought in, like that's a, to me, that's a star issue, right? Like, yeah, you can bring someone else in. Maybe they'll buy in for a little bit. But to me, that doesn't solve your problem. Like tonight, we saw Russ and AD bought in. is a makes this a really good basketball team. Like we kicked the, the Pistons' ass in the fourth quarter. It was 37-15. to 15. Like this game that we were blowing out all game, 
Russ and AD just bought in like that. Like that's a huge turning point to me, and it just shows that that's in there, that's in them. Look, Malik Monk is not going to be able to defend. Like it's just that's who he is as a player. He's a spark plug, offensive guy. I think that's been pretty clear. Carmelo Anthony, what you get out of him defensively to me is a bonus just with his shooting that's coming. But like the bought in has to come from Russ, AD, and LeBron. And again, we can. You're go right, but Le- you can't fire them. You're, no, you, you're a thousand percent right. It is not Frank's fault. It is LeBron and AD's fault, but you can't fire LeBron and AD. It's sure. unfair, but it's a reality. Sure. But I like just my opinion. I don't think firing Frank all of a sudden gets that. Like to me, that's an inner problem within them that they have to get to. Like to me, that's not a fire the coach mid like Sac- the Sacramento Kings just fired Luke Walton, right? 17 games in just fired their coach. To me, their season's done. Alvin Gentry's probably a good coach. Alvin Gentry's going to come in, just going to try to instill whatever new philosophy he has. But that season's kind of done for them. They're on to the next one. They're going to try. They have little things in the contract where Alvin Gentry can become their you know, future coach for a longer time. But they're probably going to a deeper coaching search in there. To me, firing Frank Vogel midseason, just, that's not the solution for this team. This team has Russell Westbrook fit issues. This team has... We have guards who can't defend, who we need to space the floor issues. We have who is our two centers that can play, that can protect the rim and rebound enough. Like, those are not fire your coach issues to me. And, like, Frank Vogel has a ton of problems himself. He has lineup issues. Tonight, I thought it was a step forward, though. No Rondo tonight. Like, we got what we wanted. We got the THT, Russ, They LeBron. staggered THT and Russ, yeah. too. Yeah. They staggered THT, Russ, and LeBron. We got Rondo a little bit once LeBron went out. I tweeted that when LeBron. <laughs> I tweeted that when LeBron goes out, it's a license for Frank to play Rondo. It's just like a, he gets he gets like a card, and it's like, oh, LeBron's gone. Oh, let me play my Rondo card. Like I can play Rondo now. Great, but like, but again, like we got we got those staggered, and I'm seeing process that's going forward here. But like to me, frying Frank Vogel is the same thing I've been talking about with the DeAndre Jordan stuff. Everyone came at us and like, hey, just you know, stop playing DeAndre Jordan, and we'll be fine. Play AD at the five, and that solved some issues. That solved the. Russ not playing a phone booth, playing in a phone booth issues, but opened up these other problems that like now the AD's the five, now the help man, the low man's Malik Monk, the help man's Carmelo Anthony, the help man's the guy who's tagging the roller is Wayne Ellington. Like those are other issues that comes up. And maybe it's not fair that LeBron has to be bought in from, you know, tip off to end of tip off defensively, but that's what this roster has built, has been built upon. At least until Trevor Reza comes back, at least until Austin Reeves shockingly comes back. Like we need his defense uh, and he needs to be bought in. And then hopefully I'm hopeful. And maybe again, I'm a optimist. Uh, I'm a hopeful optimist in the wrong way, but I'm hopeful this can kind of build towards that. But like firing Frank to me is like pushing a button and hoping it solves everything. And there's all these other unintended consequences that probably come from that. And I'm a big believer in a team needs a training camp, a team needs, you know, to have voices that they've been, they've been with. They went to war and won a title ago 13 months ago. Like, if Frank Vogel's voice is lost, imagine a guy that they haven't been to war with. Imagine a guy that they don't know if his stuff works. You know what I mean? You know what I mean by that, Jason? Like, that's You're right. That's, You're that's a what I'm thousand percent that. right. You're a thousand percent right. I do not – again, I do not think Frank is anything but a scapegoat in this situation. Okay. But, like, but I'll give you an example. You know who uh, – the 2018 Cavs at the trade deadline. So – you know, Jay Crowder's pretty good. I would sure. say he's a better player than Rodney Hood. Okay? Sure. You know, they made the trade for Larry Nance, but he didn't really play much in the playoff run. They really primarily went with Tristan Thompson to turn things around in that playoff run. You know, mainly the trade was about ditching Isaiah Thomas, who was a bad attitude, 
and just getting some new faces in the locker room because it just helped to have some new faces because for whatever reason, that particular concoction of basketball players wasn't working. And again, it's not Jay Crowder's fault that they sucked to start that season. It wasn't Dwayne Wade's fault that they sucked to start that season. That wasn't it at all. It was 1000% about a scenery change. And it's completely just like, it's a, it's almost like a placebo effect. You know what I mean? There's something about it for whatever reason with basketball that sometimes it's just guys tune a guy out that they used to listen to and you just need to change. And I don't think it's fair. Again, to, to your point, it's not fair. It's a thousand percent not fair. This is a hundred percent LeBron and AD not buying in the way they did in 2020. It's trickling down the roster. Couple that with personnel problems and like shortages at the forward position and guys having mm-hmm. less of a natural defensive identity. And you get this disaster. To me, those are all the, the things that are actually happening. But you can't get rid of LeBron and AD, nor should you want to. You just need them to wake up. What was the famous thing that Kobe Altman said after that trade deadline? Do you remember, Raj? Uh, I don't know. So he was interviewed. He was interviewed during a game at mm-hmm. halftime, or it was actually during the broadcast, and they, they, uh, they were interviewing Kobe Altman. And Kobe Altman literally said this, and I'm not exaggerating. He go, I'm not making this up. He goes, he goes, the most important thing that we got in this trade is we got LeBron to re-engage. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. And that's literally a thing. And we're going to talk more about this in a minute when we get to LeBron. But the reality is, is LeBron is not engaged right now for whatever reason. And that's a whole other topic that we'll get to. But LeBron's not engaged right now. That is trickled down to Anthony Davis having his least engaged season as a Laker. Well, probably not as bad as last year, but still pretty bad. And so now you're stuck in this like limbo where the two guys that are most capable of fixing this situation are not intent on fixing it. So until that changes, nothing can really change. Nothing can really start heading in the right direction. And so it's just kind of the harsh reality of the situation when your stars aren't bought in, but you're right. It's not Frank's fault. And for, for, for the record, let's say tomorrow, you know, Rob Polinka comes out with like some sort of message where he says, we're not firing Frank. Frank's here for the long run. We 1000% support it. Mm-hmm. At that point, something else has to be done. And so I actually got into a discussion with Christian Rivas, who's another guy who covers the Lakers today. And the idea there is something that you and I talked about in our last pod. If you don't have a team identity that is focused on effort and focus and defense and all those things, the the controllables that we talk about, Mm -hmm. then you need to start playing players that have that as an individual identity. So for instance, if I can't count on the group, to commit on the defensive end of the floor, then I need to play players who will do it on their own volition. Like Austin Reeves, who by the way is obviously hurt, but will be coming back soon. Frank said this morning that he's, if it were up to him, he'd be playing. Mm-hmm. And so the medical staff's just being safe with him. If that is bringing Stanley Johnson in on a, 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 a somehow through waving another, waving one of the other vets or whatever it is, if that means playing more Chandy Brown, yeah. That means more Dwight Howard, who, by the way, is a player who has a defensive identity as an individual. Like p- p- playing big, even though I don't like that idea, if Dwight is one of the five on the floor and he's actually trying on the defensive end of the floor, that carries a certain amount of value. That's a, our beef. You and I, our beef has always been with DJ, not with playing big. It's been with DJ. That's the problem. 
And so that would be the fix for Frank is like start to give some attempts to play the players who have an individual defensive identity, which do exist on this roster. They are absolutely Mm -hmm. here. So to me, that would be if Frank stays, that's the way it has to go. But I tend to think that that ship has sailed and Frank needs to go to get that change of scenery that gets the stars to buy in, even if that sounds completely irrational. It's just, it's something that has happened many times in the history of the league. So so it's funny when we got the notification that Frank was going with the two big lineups, uh, everyone started to freak out, right? It was like, oh man, what's going on? But I think that was, and I kind of respect it. I think that's just Frank going down like on his, in his own way, right? Like I'm going down with this ship my way. And he started again, Avery Bradley, DeAndre Jordan. And that's, this team needs a defensive identity. And I know like, I disagree with like the way it's gone, gone about. Like, I think we need to lean into the offense, but that's not the coach Frank is like, Frank is a defensive minded coach. And to me, a GM, a coach and a star player should be moving in unison. And I feel like this roster was built somehow, some way, like in spite of Frank somehow, like in, in a way it's built in a totally opposite way than he would like to play guards that can't defend. But Tonight, like I put in my notes here, like we need a new rotation. You know what I mean? Like that's the way you fix this to me. Like blaming AD and Russ's and LeBron's lack of engagement on the them not buying into their coach. Like that's a bridge you have to jump to, to me. And I, I like to me, I can't get there. Like like losing to OKC is not a I'm not like losing to OKC earlier in the year is not a I'm not bought into Frank. Right? Like. Like that's that has to be something within them. That's a lack of urgency within them. That's a lack of wanting to, and then the, again playing guards who don't do this anyway, like Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, aren't guards who fight and go box out. Like that's not stuff to me that gets fixed by changing the personnel. Like that's where I want to go with this. Like to me, we need a new rotation, and that's where like the hope comes in for me in this team. Playing Austin Reeves, Kendrick Nunn, we'll see when he comes back. Trevor Reza, that needs to replace kind of the Malik Monk the other bad defenders that we play. And then you can start to build that because Frank's not going to, to me, he's not going to go back to AD at the five for a little while now. This is the starting lineup we're going to get. I think Avery Bradley's going to stay in the starting lineup. And to me, this lineup fits more with Avery Brad- what Avery Bradley does. I thought he was a little bit more impactful tonight. Like he's not the switching guy, but, and his shot wasn't really falling either, but he's a guy that can't Avery's an easy target, but he's not been the problem. Right. And I, like, to me, this is the starting lineup that fits him. It doesn't fit Russ, but it fits Avery Bradley. Like this is his type of lineup. The fight over uh, funnel you to one of the bigs, one of the bigs are going to be in the paint. I'll funnel you there. And, and I can do my job doing that. That's that's an expectation thing, right? Frank Vogel knows what he's going to get out of Avery Bradley. That's why to me, he starts him. Baysmore, Malik Monk, you don't know what you can get night to night. Avery Bradley might not be able to shoot as well as them every night from night to night in terms of like a ceiling to floor level. But, you know, he plays at a level that you can predict. Um, and again, like with the zone stuff, like Jeff Van Gundy, when uh, when he used to when he used to at least analyze basketball. Now it's kind of like a, <laughs> now it's kind of like a three hour podcast. Now but he's like one he of said, us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, Jeff Van Gundy, a long time ago, he said it's harder to get players to buy into a zone. Right. Like it just in naturally as a coach and he was a coach for a while. And this is not new to Frank Vogel as well, which is this is the reason why I don't like the zone look like it works for a couple of possessions, but you just don't get players to buy into it. And that's that's something that Frank has talked about. But there's a defensive identity you can build here. I thought someone that's something someone brought up is a good point. Like if you're going to go with the two bigs, try Dwight Howard, at least start him. I know we like him off the bench. There's still things to do to me where like 
once you press the fire Frank Vogel plug, like you better be damn right at the next guy that comes in because we know Frank Vogel is a good coach in whatever situation it is. The new guy that comes in, whoever it is, whether it's on the bench right now, whether it's an outside hire, whoever comes in, like to me, that doesn't solve the issues we have. I, I keep relating it back to the just start AD at the five. That solves some problems, but then you open up all these other unintended consequences with that, and I'm not ready to go there yet. I know a lot of, I know all of Laker Nation pretty much is, uh, but I'm I'm just not there uh, at that point. You're you're the holdout, and it's good. We need a holdout. <laughs> we need someone to talk us off the ledge. We need we need someone that is a little bit less uh, reactionary. I mean, you know you know how it is, man. Like I've been kind of trending in this direction a little by little with each yeah. passing with with each passing game. But you know, it's just weird. I mean, it's like you have to watch. You have to compare yourself to the best, right? I mean, because the, the Lakers' goal is not to beat the Pistons. The Lakers' goal is to win the championship, right? And sure, you know, it's like it's like I'm sick of going on the ESPN app and look uh, and looking at the scores and being like, oh, uh, Phoenix is beating the living shit out of Denver right now in the first quarter because they care and because they are actually committed to 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 building that championship momentum and crossing those championship check marks. You know what I mean? Like checking all those boxes and I'm sick of it. I'm sick. I'm sick of watching them just get outclassed every single time they play. And, Mm -hmm. and to, and to me, you got, it's about the controllables, you know, and, and, and to me that ties to Frank, but I mean, it is what it is. And we, you, we, you and I mentioned a couple weeks back, we said, there's probably a group chat that exists Mm -hmm. that has LeBron and Russ and Anthony Davis in it. Maybe Rob's in there too. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> but th- with this group chat, there's a sentiment that's being exchanged among the group. And that sentiment is either like, come on, guys, let's get our shit together. Or mm-hmm. it's, I need Frank out of here. And then Russ being like, yeah, me too. I, I don't know what it is. And and I guess, like we say, we'll find out through some kind of, of, of Woj bomb. But I thought it was really interesting that you pointed out that he's going down his way. Because that's what I ended up tweeting out when I saw the starting lineup. That's mm-hmm. the... Last uh, two nights ago, Frank said after they got killed by Boston, he's like, if you want to have a a significant role in this rotation, you have to commit to playing defense. He said that, uh, which was very, very abrasive-ish. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of like uh, it was it was kind of very off the cuff Mm -hmm. compared to the way Frank usually talks. And then couple that with his starting lineup decision tonight. You can tell he's to that point. Like I think Frank is sick of these guys. (laughs) <laughs> like honestly like can you imagine being frank watching the film from these games compared Man. compared to what he saw when he was coaching them the previous two seasons you know what i mean like it's got to just be he's got to just be pulling his hair out you know what i mean but it, 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 it is what it is we can move on from the frank thing i mean look, look, look i I did want to talk about LeBron for a minute because this is something that I've been warning, you know, I've been warning you guys about for a long time and I just never thought it would apply to this team. Sure. But I used to always tell you like, Hey, like I think I said in the off season, I was like, I could not imagine a better leader for this team. Why? Because they have legitimate championship aspirations and a legitimate chance to win an NBA title. That's the best leader you want for that type of group. Right. Well, things have been so off the rails that it's brought into the equation this other element of the LeBron James experience that I frequently talk about, which is the chaos. The the fact that he, when things go south, has a tendency to pout and to be passive aggressive and to entirely check out of basketball games mentally. 
and to try to send a message to the team or to the front office or to the public through very, very melodramatic means, as opposed to handling that kind of thing behind closed doors. He's not going to go up to Kevin Love in his locker room and be like, dude, I need you to stop being so like, like, you know, uh, alone to yourself. And I need you to start being a part of this team and try to find a way to win. No, no, no. It's I'm going to tweet it. <laughs> like, like that's the LeBron experience. It's not, sure. it's not, Hey, I'm going to go to Rob and tell him we need to do this, this, and this. And in the meantime, I'm going to play really hard and try to maximize as much as this is. No, it's like, I'm going to pout and not try until I get what I want. That's, that's the way he is. It's the way he's been pretty much ever since Miami. And so I, I warn you guys, I warn you Laker nation that this is kind of part of that experience, but there's two sides to that coin. Raj, you said the King's season is over. They fired Luke Walton. Their season is over. LeBron, in my opinion. Yeah. Yes. And you're not wrong about that. <laughs> Although the one little detail I'd say is that the King's season might've been over before it even started. That's fair. That's but, totally fair. But the one flip side of that coin with LeBron is that with the chaos, there is no better person to have in that chair in terms of coming out the other side. There will be a point when LeBron buys back in this year. I don't know if it's tomorrow I don't know if it's after the suspension. I don't know if it's after the trade deadline. I don't know if it's after Frank gets fired. I don't know if it's after another five-game losing streak and nothing changes. I'm not sure, but there will be a point where he dials it back up. And when he does, this team will be just fine. LeBron is very, very good at taking the ugly after it's passed and just moving on. It doesn't linger. It doesn't stay on the team like a tumor. He just... Once he gets what he wants, he cuts it out and he moves forward. And so all I would say is this is going to get ugly. And I don't know what's going to change. Something's going to change, though. And when we come out the other side, you're going to see the real LeBron James. And it's all going to be fine. I genuinely feel that. I don't think you and I ever during this season have lost faith in the ultimate goal with this team. Mm -hmm. We've just been frustrated with the process. Sure. So does what I'm saying make sense to you at all? No, it, it definitely does. Uh, definitely. That definitely makes sense. Like LeBron has shown, I wasn't following the Cavs as closely, but obviously I've read the, the stories, all the people who've come out with it. Brian Wordhorst, obviously a guy who's detailed it, uh, who's gone, gone in detail on that. But like, to me, I can't, again, like I just can't jump that bridge to like, because we've seen LeBron not try on defense before in a Laker uniform, right? Like that, that's definitely happened like it happened last year in points as well I, I don't know if that's to blame on him just coming back from injury and again I, I keep saying like it's unfair to me to have year 19 LeBron have to be the first defense type of player that we need him to be uh tonight again a uh, lot of really lack of engagement lack of interest in the ball game and that kind of goes out to the whole team but I, I really can't jump that gun to go like yeah LeBron is not trying and that's because he's out on Frank Vogel like Again, I said this when they when the Kings let go of Luke Walton. Like, if you let go of a coach 17 games in, you know he's not your guy going into the season, right? Like, the, the Kings knew. I don't know why they wasted everyone's time. 
doing these 17 game, you know, the 17 game trot out this fake, like, Oh, maybe he could have won. No, they knew they were letting him go at some point, whether it was now, whether it was later, it was going to happen. That's the same thing to me with the Frank Vogel stuff. And we joke about how much power LeBron has. LeBron asked for all of this. Like, let's, let's be honest here. Like this team was built with, you know, him and Anthony Davis in mind. Carmelo directly came out and said he was recruited by LeBron James. Not Rob Palinka. He was re- recruited by LeBron James. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Russell Westbrook, the whole story about going to their house. And, you know, Rob wasn't there. Rob wasn't at that fancy dinner, wherever it was. It was uh, it was Russ, LeBron, and AD deciding, hey, we're going to do this. LeBron asked for all this. And he also had Frank Vogel as his coach four months ago. He had his coach three months ago. Like, this is not something that, to me, changes mid-season. If you want to fire your coach, that's an off-season thing. And that's a thing that... You know, if LeBron, if LeBron and AD really were, you know, against Frank Vogel, that could have happened last last offseason. Instead, Frank Vogel got an extension. Like to me, like the LeBron not trying on defense, equaling to uh, equaling to them out on Frank Vogel. Like those two, those two things to me just don't connect yet. Like I can't get there yet. But I see your point there. I know that if things do go bad, like stuff like this can happen. First year LeBron, right? Like we lost a lot of games, and then all the all the dudes were traded. Like that's just the dude was drinking wine on the bench. <laughs> sure, and I look Jackie McMullen's the one who got really mad at that. I don't care about that. LeBron can drink whatever he wants on the sideline. Uh, but but yeah, like that's where I I just can't get to that they haven't bought into Frank Vogel. Now look, maybe Frank Vogel's scheme doesn't match the team. Like that's a fair conversation to have. Like these guards can't defend that way. I think that's something that we've been saying for a while now that you like we probably need to do a little bit more of this uh switching again he's gone to some zone but like the drop coverage with deandre jordan as the big probably is not gonna work and that's and that's okay that's stuff that can be worked out that can be tinkered with that that's stuff that can be worked out and again the lineup stuff is super frustrating i would like to get i would like frank vogel to have the full team though have the media day starting lineup that we were you know sold the Russ, Ellington, I think it was Ariza, LeBron, and AD. Like, I'd like to see mm-hmm. that lineup once. I'd like it to give a chance before we pull the plug. Because, again, to me, firing a coach is pulling the plug. And then the next, the only next thing bigger than that is trading Russ, which I compared to, you know, so firing Frank Vogel is pulling the fire alarm. Trading Russ is the house burned down. I don't want to even get close to either of those two yet. So that's, that's where I'm at with that. I know we're trying to move on and go on to LeBron, but they're all inter- intertwined, interconnected here. Uh, but again, his ejection to me did matter. I know we got we got our ass kicked early, but I thought Russ really changed his energy. He wasn't he wasn't playing effectively right after the ejection, after the tussle with uh, Stewart. But I thought that his you know his his energy really reflected onto the rest of the team. Obviously, Carmelo getting going was a part of it too. Uh, but I I do think that was a spark tonight, and and hopefully that that builds on. But but yeah, I can't get to the LeBron's not playing hard because of he's not bought into Frank Vogel or he doesn't like the roster when I feel like his hands are his hands are tempered with all of it. You know what I mean? Like I can't I can't get there yet. I, I'm not I first of all, I, I'm thankful that your perspective is what it is because I think it makes for a little bit more balance with my more radical approach. So that, that's a good thing. So we got about 15 more minutes here. I wanted to touch about a touch on the, the LeBron flagrant foul thing. Cause this, I thought was super interesting to me. So a um, couple things, first of all, <laughs> guys get hit in the face in basketball games. That happens. Okay. A lot, actually. Um, it's a contact sport and it's part of the game. Now there are kind of like three varying levels to that. There's, I accidentally hit you in the face entirely. Like 
maybe I was literally driving to the basket and my hand was on the ball, but my elbow that had the shot attempt happened to clip you in the face. Yeah. That's entirely inadvertent. Then there's like the, okay, I literally punched you in the face on purpose, you know, like a, like a, uh, you know, malice at the palace type of deal. But then there's like this other thing that happens and it happens all the time. It's something Dwight Howard of the Lakers does like two or three times every single game. And that's the, we're jostling for position, fighting for a rebound. And I thought you were a little too handsy. So I try to elbow your arms off of me. It's like a, just kind of like a flailing chuck of the arm. Dwight does it. Like I said, literally two or three times every single game. I see it every single NBA game that I watch at least once, but almost 99.9% of the time it happens. The elbow catches the dude in the bicep. It knocks the dude's arm off. Most of the time they run back on defense. Some of the time they might get a little bit angry at each other. They might jaw at each other a little bit. They might get a tech, but for the most part, we all just move on. And what happened on that play was LeBron was pinching on a, uh, on the top side on a free throw rebound. And Isaiah Stewart, who all night long has been physically bullying the Lakers on the offensive glass, especially Anthony Davis, got tangled up with LeBron and tangled up with his arm. And LeBron, as he was falling away from him, ripped his arm through in the same way that I just described happens every single NBA game. And on the play, his hand followed through the elbow and hit Isaiah Stewart in the face. And it opened up his eyeball. And then everything you saw happened. To me, that was such a, like such a typical example of that kind of middle ground that I was talking about. Something that is kind of a typical basketball play that accidentally went south. And it's hilarious because every time anything involving LeBron happens, it always turns into this. It always turns into, here comes the LeBron's a dirty player crowd. Here comes the, you know, all the LeBron stands go in the entire other direction where it's like the dude could never do anything wrong ever. And what bothers me the most about it is like, like literally had Isaiah Stewart not freaked out the way that he did. I don't think it would nearly have been the story that it was. And I don't think Isaiah Stewart even freaked out until he realized he was bleeding. He got in LeBron's face and there was a little bit of jawing. And then he started seeing the blood come down his face. And then he just went absolutely psycho. And what's so it's such a non story to me and the far more interesting topic, which we already talked about, which was LeBron's effort during the game. And Mm -hmm. obviously the Laker comeback and the stuff with Frank and the stuff with the zone has all been glossed over because of this stupid angle of this video where LeBron is just trying to get a dude off of him. Who's jockeying for rebound position. And it's just so funny to me because it's, I'm curious to hear your opinion, Raj, because I thought, and maybe this is just me as a basketball player, you know, because like, to me, it was such a normal kind of thing that can happen in a game that just so happened to go South. It almost looked to me like LeBron went right up to him after like, whoops, my bad. I saw that too. Like like LeBron, I looked to me like LeBron was saying, Hey man, I was just trying to get your arm off of me. And I, I did not mean to hit you in the face. I'm sorry. Like that's the, the, the vibe I got. So what, what was your two cents on that play? So I remember in the finals when, uh, again, I'm not comparing the two actions here because I'm a lot more on your side on this. But I remember uh, when Draymond Green got suspended, right, for doing his kicking thing. And he tried to sell that, uh, you know, that wasn't his intent. But on a replay, you can't judge intent, right? Like a ref can't 
go and look at intent. They can only look at the actual action that happened. So LeBron, the action that actually happened was he did hit his face. He got ejected. He got the flagrant two. Might get one game suspension just with how it looked, I guess, with how bloody he is. But I thought that's a play, a routine play as well. Like, look, I, I do I think Isaiah Stewart, obviously, I do I think he thinks that was super intentional? Oh, yeah. Like, I obviously think that's why he reacted the way he did. So he was bleeding. He thought it was intentional. Thought, you know, Isaiah was, thought that LeBron was really trying to hit him. I thought it was the same thing. They were tied up. I think it was Dwight Howard on the other end. And look, Isaiah Stewart was kicking our ass too. Like it was his offensive rebounding was insane. Like early on, just with our lack of lack of days effort combined with him going hard for every play, uh, that mix uh, he really killed us on that. But but yeah, like I thought that was a normal basketball play. We see that all the time. Dudes get tangled up, and one guy's like trying to get the other guy off him. And uh, I think LeBron might have just pulled the elbow a little bit harder than he thought, and it and it caught isaiah stewart in the face that's all i thought it was and again i I saw the same thing you did i thought lebron went up to him right after to say like my bad but he immediately saw the energy that uh, that isaiah had and obviously that wasn't uh he didn't feel he didn't feel it was it was an accident but that's all i kind of saw it was i think lebron gets one game honestly like i I really do i think that's how they're gonna they're gonna judge this i don't know what stewart gets you know he really tried to run at run at lebron which was yeah, I don't know if I can blame him. He he really did think it was intentional, but that's all I thought it was too. I didn't think it was a big, a super big deal, which is why I told you as well that we didn't really need to discuss it that much. Just throw it on to the end of this one because I don't want that to be the story of this game. It's like, shooting the bin. You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. There's, uh, do I, now do I think that sparked the Lakers? I, I honestly did think that sparked them. I think LeBron going out and not that like LeBron got ejected and we need the energy. It was more like Russ and AD being like, oh. Like, oh, I'm the I'm the guy now. Like, I have to run this. Like, LeBron's not on the floor anymore. Like, it's my time. I got to run it. And maybe that's a separate issue. That's a – we need to find a way to get Russ, LeBron, and AD to have that type of uh, energy all game, even when all three are there. But that's what I thought happened. I didn't want this to be the story. You didn't either. I thought that was a play that – it's a it's a play that happens, you know, routinely in basketball. Like you said, Dwight Howard, you'll see it a lot. Big man who tussle down low. We talk about how much contact they allow at the rim versus the perimeter i think at the free throw line is the biggest face of that like on the free throw rebounds you'll see all kinds of contact fouls just get refs just swallow their whistles on that and i think this was another part of that but you know Stewart, he was bleeding and he felt the type of way about it but i I didn't think lebron was intentionally trying to elbow him in the face as uh, as it looked as it can look on replay when you slow things down uh, things can can sometimes look a lot worse than if you just play them in real time that was my whole take on that yeah, it, it's interesting because, like, I even think there's a big gap between, like, we're jockeying for position and I deliberately elbow you in the ribs. Like, like trying to forcibly hit the elbow into somebody, to me, is so different than, like, ripping away. Sure. And to me, that's what that was. He was ripping away. Now, he did it in a reckless way. He mm-hmm. hit the dude in the face as a result. But, like, I'm serious. And this is going to, you know, obviously, everyone knows – I am a fan of LeBron. That's true. But I also try to call it like I see it with him. Sure. And like, to me, that was a flagrant one play on. It just happened to be it, his knuckle must've just caught him in the wrong spot, opened up his face. Then Isaiah Stewart proceeded to have one of the crazy, <laughs> that part where he ran through the tunnel and the announcers were talking about him potentially looping all the way around the hallway to reappear by the Lakers bench. That was crazy. I've never seen anything like that before. <laughs> like that was absolutely wild. But the point being is like, I, I, I just, it was a rip away. 
And again, like I can't tell you how many times I see that watching NBA basketball, that kind of thing happens. So there are so many like little things like that that happen in basketball all the time. It's no different than like, there are a lot of guys that like when you're isolating in a triple threat and a dude sticks his arm out and like guards you from one, uh, from arm's length away, sometimes the guy will slap down at the arm just to knock the arm away. You know, that kind of, that kind of weird hand fighting and elbow fighting, you know, just with your limbs, that kind of thing happens all the time in basketball. I'd be willing to bet if I really tried and no, I don't care enough to try, but if I really tried, I bet you I could find a half dozen examples this year of Isaiah Tom or excuse me, Isaiah Stewart flailing his elbow at a guy while fighting for rebound position. I bet you I can find those clips. That's, that's how common this play is to me and just how straightforward it was. But, but it is what it is. Like you said, it, it should never have been a big – for those of you who, are, who just t- tuned in, we're doing this at the end for a reason. This should not have been the story tonight. The story of this game was the Lakers mailing it in for three quarters again and the team looking like they had quit on Frank. And then suddenly in the fourth quarter after a few Carmelo Anthony threes, Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis hit the gas and won a game on the road against the Pistons in pretty impressive fashion down, at the, down there at the end of the game. That's the story tonight. And then you could get into a story about LeBron's buy-in and Frank Vogel and all that stuff. But this should not have been the story, and it's unfortunate that it was. Yeah, and it's going to be. like It's going to run on ESPN, all that. It's going to be the number one story. But like we didn't, we didn't spend too much time on it. So I guess uh, I don't know how much time we have left. But yeah, I want to, minutes. again, yeah, I just wanted to give THC again the shout-out. He was a plus 13 tonight. And again, a lot of that was because – he was in in the fourth quarter, but I think his defense is super important to this team. Uh, we didn't start him tonight, and I, I kind of like that. I'm I'm fine with that, letting him kind of run his units. He's still really, he's still really out of control going to the basket and stuff like that. But his defense, I thought, was super important. Avery Bradley plus 18, it's, and that wasn't directly just him. It's just I think he fits what the team wants to do when they go to these these lineups for Frank, and it, it's really consistent. Uh, what is what he's going to do on the floor, and I think Frank really likes that. So I just want to give those two guys a shout out, and then Russell Westbrook, twenty six, ten, and nine. We always talk about the numbers. Uh, we always uh, talk about the production and how real the numbers kind of equate to winning. But his fourth quarter was just huge, and uh, I want to make that the story from tonight. Like the ejection is what it is, but I thought those three really played played well. I thought Frank found a lineup that he could play. I like that in the fourth quarter they went to Russ Bradley. Russ Bradley, Mello, AD, and I forgot who the other guy was on the floor there. Oh, THT, sorry, yeah. Russ Bradley, THT, Mello, and AD. I thought that was a lineup that worked. It looked nice, something they can use in second units. They defended enough, and then Russ, AD going nuclear. It's something our second units can kind of build towards. So I always talk about process. Those are the things I wanted to take take from this game before we close it out. Um, so everybody who requested, I know I said that we would try to get to some callers today, but this ended up just being way too eventful of a game. Um, I think they play the Pistons again soon. And then they also play two games against the Kings. the Kings. So we're going to have some games here soon that hopefully are less eventful. And then I promise we'll just like do like a little 10 minute breakdown and then we'll get into a bunch of callers. Cause I am curious to hear where all your guys' heads are at. Um, but it is a Sunday night and if I go over 55 minutes, I get dirty looks from my wife. So it is time to call it. I appreciate you guys and your support. Um, this is going to air on dash radio tomorrow morning at 7 AM. This will also be on our podcast feed here in about 15, 20 minutes. 
we Roger and I continue to be blown away by your guys' support and we appreciate it. And we hope you'll join us again for that back to back on Tuesday and Wednesday. Appreciate everyone for coming out on a Sunday. Have a good night.